what a blessing to have communion together as a church and just to think upon what Christ has done for us. I thank God that His gospel is not powerless. I thank God that His gospel has got life and His gospel will bring forth life in the lives of believers all over the world. Now, I want to just talk about that word that I mentioned there in the lives of, belie in the lives of believers. I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. And this is what it says. It says, For this cause I thank, I also thank, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as a word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. Now, that is a, a very, very powerful uh, piece of scripture there. You know, uh, when we think of faith, when we think of belief, when we think of all those kind of things, we have to come to the conclusion that doesn't matter how true something is, uh, it only has an effect on you and in you when you believe it. And this is what the scripture says. Paul comes and he says that we thank God without end. So look at the, look at the sincerity, look at the holiness in the life of Paul, that when he sees somebody takes the truth and believes it, that he finds that he cannot stop to thank God. He is so grateful. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as a word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. So I think we, we and, and this is what Paul was, was very thankful about. When he came and he preached, he thanked God that these people didn't just receive the word he preached as a word from man, but that he, that these people actually received it for what it actually was. It was a word from God. And when they received this word from God, they then were persuaded of its truth and then believed it. They believed God. And what was the effect of that uh, on the people's lives? It says, this word of God effectually works also in you that believe. So what it says here, he says that uh, the word of truth believed is the power unto the manifestation um, of an effective life, unto the, uh, unto the uh, uh, ending of the flesh sin, ending of death, ending of, of the fruit of the flesh, and all those kind of things eventually resulting in immortality. So, I want to say to you, the reason why we preach the gospel, the reason why we preach the truth in the hope that people will take it, not as a word from man, but as a word from God, is uh, because of this attribute that the word believed has, and that is that it will work effectively inside those that believe. In other words, it will have an effect, and it will be effective to bring forth the full manifestation of the fullness of God inside earthen vessels. Glory to God. That is what it is all about. When we can hear the Word of God and our hearts can be persuaded of the Word of God, the Word of God will 
be effective in bringing forth life in us. So what that means is that we are at a place where we don't have to try and bring forth good works in our lives. We are in a place where we can actually say the word or the message of God um, possesses the power to bring forth life in us. It almost sounds like, the, like God says, my word shall not return void unto me. As the rain falls to the earth and it brings forth fruit, so shall my word not return void unto me. So I want to say to you, if we can take this message of God's grace, the message of God's word, which is Jesus manifested, and we can see it as the word of God, we cannot just see it as Bertie's new teaching or Greg Henry's new revelation or uh, a Joseph Prince that said this or that. But we can come to a place where we see that the message is actually God's word, the creator of the heavens and the earth in which in, in, in whom all things consist, unto whom all things are. And it is his final conclusion, it is his word, it is the only truth from where all things flow. When that becomes the reality in our hearts, as we start to hear it from that perspective, as the word of God, not as, what's this new revelation and let me see, yeah, let me see what he says and what he says, without you even having made up your own mind about anything. That's, that's not going <laughs> to, where we can come to a place where we say, this is the word of God. And when, when we hear the message of the word of God, and I, I would actually say, when we come to a place where we say, Lord, I want to hear your word. I want to hear it as if this grace message doesn't come from a rebel's heart who is against something or somebody who seeks a higher revelation, or somebody who wants to build a ministry, or something like that. But when I hear this, forgetting the man through whom the message comes, but I want to hear your word. When that happens and you are then, your heart is then persuaded of that word, then Paul comes and he says here, and then that I can come and I can, can say, this is the conclusion we can come to, that this word will work effectively in your life. The Word will produce it. Now what is the Word? Let me just quickly recap on this. What is the Word? The Word is the message of God conquering death in Jesus wherein God promises you life and immortality by His doing and that you will be a partaker of that life by simply trusting Him. This is the Word of God portrayed in Christ, that Jesus Christ will come, or, or that Jesus Christ can take people that has got sin in their life, that He can conquer their sin, He can sanctify their lives by His doing, by His Holy Spirit, without them trying to do it, and that He will have that doing eventually result in being raised from the dead. You know, I'm on a farm here, my father-in-law's uh, farm, um, and he passed away last week. And I've come to do the funeral and um, did it yesterday. And as I, you know, did all of that, I was... You know, I, I, I had this hope inside me that the Word, 
that I could see was working in my father-in-law to the point that I could see in a man that never wanted to have anything to do with church, that didn't have, wanted to have a lot to do with, with, with uh, Christianity. He, he actually told me, you don't ever talk to me about God. Um, where a man like that became a man that could hug me with tears in his eyes and say, thank you for who you are. It could be a man that says, Bertie, the gospel you preach is the only gospel that I truly know that I will be, uh, wherein I am qualified as saved. And where I could see a softness and a tenderness and a glory uh, uh, in his life as pertaining to the things of God. Where I could see Christ live in him. Where I could have a message yesterday. Where I could talk about how I saw Christ in the man. Now, um, that is the effective working of the word when we take the word as not just a word from a man but as the truth of God and then that word will have its effect in our lives and here it says and I want to read it again this word effectually works also in you that believes and it doesn't work in those that don't believe it and I want to just say this um, and this can now just settle something as pertaining to um, universalism and saying everybody's saved and all those kind of things is here Paul clearly says that the work doesn't the word doesn't work in those that don't believe it and the end of the day it is not about just what the word says but it is about what the word would accomplish at the end of the day because God's word has got a certain hope and that hope is your eternal life your blameless heart before God in the return of Christ right glory to God now we're going to go to chapter 3 and um, I'm going to read from verse 11. It says, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our ways unto you and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one to another and towards all men even as we do towards you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. So what he's saying here is he says the Lord, and I, I want to bring, uh, put the emphasis on, on the Lord here. And I want you to read this passage with me again. And I want you to see how many times it says what God will do what God will establish, the effective working of His Word in us. And in this, and in this message, I would like to uh, uh, bring you, your heart to a place where you can say, well, I can actually safely open up my life to more areas wherein I can expect God to bring forth fruit. You know, the moment we bring a message, and I, I found this many times, I found in my own life, the moment we think of fruit, it's almost as if our heart wants to close doors because, oh my goodness, this fruit thing is just going to bring disappointment again to my life. Where I, can, where I will be seen as there's something wrong with me or where I will think, why is God not working with me? Why is God not, God not with me? There's something wrong with me. And, or a thing of, I must try harder. And it will bring frustration and a sin consciousness again. And I found that in the lives of many grace believers, it's almost the moment we talk about fruit, it's like a, a fear that wants to grab our hearts. And uh, we don't want to hear about fruit. We don't want to hear about any of that. 
because of the pain that was, of the, of, because of the pain that's associated with that. But we, I want to bring a message here that can cause your heart to have what Paul was writing here, an expectation of God's working in us. Glory to God. Let's read it again from verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, to, uh, in love one towards another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. So he says, and the Lord makes you increase and abound. The Lord makes you increase. So who, who's, whose power are we talking about here when we talk about a new life? Is it our willingness to submit to scriptures? Is it our willingness to try and do good? Is it our willingness to be holy and live righteous and all those kind of things? No. It is God, it is, it is the Lord that makes you to increase and abound in love one to another and to all people. So he says here, you guys will find love for each other. And remember, the Bible says love is the fulfillment of the whole law. For he who loves will not harm his brother. So what he's saying here is basically that we don't have to fulfill any law. What he's saying is something that, that supersedes the law, something that's greater than the law, which is love, is what the Lord will make come forth in our lives by His doing. But how do we see this effect of working unto the manifestation of life? It is by hearing the Word, which I believe is the message, like I have defined, wherein God says, this is the Word, this is God's Word, trust me, I'll give you immortality. That's God's Word from beginning to end. And when you, even with sin in your life, can trust God, the effective working of that Word will bring forth love in your life. Love for one another and for all people. Glory to God. To the end, ye may establish your heart blameless. So he says, And the Lord makes you to increase and abound in love, one towards another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. So the Lord will make them abound in love towards the church and all people. In the end, by Him bringing forth this love in your heart, He will establish your hearts as unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. So what He's saying here is very simple. He says, listen, and this is how it's going to work. God, you know your heart, your belief system can believe a truth. But for it to be established in holiness means that God will persuade your heart by a word, by the message wherein we believe. And then our hearts will be established in God persuading our hearts through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. But that's one part of something that's established. But that establishment will broaden in this sense is that our hearts, our belief in the truth will be established in the fact that God has said it with a confirmation of its fruit in our lives. 
Let me read it again. To the end that he may, he says, he says, the Lord will cause your life to be a life of love. And then he says, and the end of this life of love is that he may establish your hearts unblameable. So what will he do? He says, listen, <laughs> don't try and change your heart. Don't try and have a holy heart. Don't try and live righteous. Don't try and do any of those things. This is how it works. The word effectually works in the believer. All you need to do if you want to do something is hear the word as, as a word not from man but from God. Hear the message of your forgiveness, the message of your innocence, the message of what God has promised in Christ and what he has portrayed in Jesus when he could take a man that carried the sin of all people and this man having the sin of all people of all ages on him didn't have the sin that he was carrying um, tamper with his persuasion that he had of the Father. And that, that Father, that, that trust in the Father, allowed the Father to raise a man from the dead that was carrying all sin. That is a message to sinners. That is a message to the whole world. And God came and concluded all people under sin by saying, none of you walk righteous. None of you have a way wherein you can attain unto eternal life by your works. Therefore, I've got a promise to all sinners, and this is what my promise is. You simply trust me and rely upon me that I can raise you from the dead, and that I can cleanse up your life, that I can bring my life into you and share my quality of life with you. That is it. Now, when that takes place, when that trust comes from the Word, what will that Word do? It will effectively work in your heart. And the first thing it will produce in you is love for people. And this is, uh, and this I'm not teaching you to say go and love people. I'm saying to you what the Word can produce as we believe this and what we can expect and what we can be ready for in the time to come. Let's read First John chapter 4. I'm going to read from the site. He that loves, verse 8, He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Now we would read that verse and say, Oh, you see, you don't know God. You're on your way to hell. No, no, what he's saying here is he says, Let us allow love to flow through us, verse 7, For love is of God, and everyone that knows God loves. So what he says is, as you are knowing God, what you will find is an unction inside your heart to show love. But as this unction comes up inside your heart, you might still be in a place where, oh my goodness, I don't know this showing of love thing. You know, that's not my way of living. My way of living was selfish. My way of living was always about myself, me, myself, and I, and what I can get out of these things. But as I find that I am starting to know God and starting to experience God and starting to know who He is, I find this unction coming in me and God giving birth to love in me, not just for, for the people around me, but for all people. And this is what He says. He says, He who knows God loves. So, as we are knowing this truth, as we are knowing this unconditional love of God, as we are knowing the, the uh, I, I don't even want to call it unconditional love of God, I want to call it the, the, 
the love of God that's not confused, the unconfused love of God, not the unconditional, the unconfused love of God. Because God's love was never, never got confused with, uh, confused us with what we've done. He doesn't function from confusion. He functions from uh, the, the seeing, having who we really are revealed in front of Him. Um, and from there, he, he, he operates. And from there, He lives. And from there, He, he, he acts towards us. Now, I'm going to get into the last third of this message by going to chapter 4 in Thessalonians. It says in chapter 4, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and please God, so you would abound more and more. Now, what have they received of Paul in how they ought to walk? Uh, we can easily come and say, you know, that, that how they ought to walk is, is uh, becoming a law mindset now. They must do this, they must do this. No, no, the way you ought to walk is very simple. Believe in the Lord, having a heart open wherein you can see His Word working effectively in you in love for one another. And that is what Paul also demonstrated when he was amongst these people and that's how he lived towards them. And he said to them, this is how you ought to walk. How did the order walk? Believe upon the word of, of God unto the word bring forth fruit in their life. That's how we ought to walk. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go, go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because, that the Lord is, because the Lord is the avenger of such things, and we also have forewarned you and testified. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God, who has also given unto us His Holy Spirit. So what is he saying here? That can be such a verse of condemnation and guilt. But what he's saying here finds its root in chapter 2 verse 13 where he says the word will effectively work in you. Then he comes in chapter 3 verse 13 and explains how this, work, this word effectually works. Verse 12 and 13. And he says that it will cause your heart to abound in love one to another as well as to all people and in this love flowing from a revelation of God, your heart gets established in the sense of, um, let, let, let me put it this way, this is not a law mindset, but it is what I call a confirmation mindset, wherein I would come and I would say, I believe that I'm innocent before God. I believe that His work has washed away all my sins and I stand righteous before Him. I believe that. I'm persuaded about that. My heart is established in that on account of what Christ has done for me. But as I believe that, I might not see any fruit in my life. So my heart is now established, or my heart, or I can actually say, I believe the Word of God. And my heart finds its anchor in what God has said. But as time goes on and, I, and God's word effectually works inside me, 
I start to find fruit manifesting in my life. And now I find my heart, I find God establishing my belief in His Word that bears fruit in my life. And verse 13 comes, to, comes into being and it says, To the end He may establish your heart un, unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here He comes and He says, this is the will of God. It, also in Thessalonians, your sanctification. The will of God is your sanctification. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So now here he comes and he talks not just about the fornication of going to the law, but he's also talking about the fornication that is amongst brethren and people defrauding their brothers and sisters in things and treating one another in a bad way. He says, listen, this is what I want to tell you. You have received the word of God. You've received the word of God as a word that effectually works in you. This word brings forth life in you. And I want to, I, I want to encourage you to continue in this word. That's why he says there, furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. So what he says, furthermore, go and study that on, that, that word. He says, from here on. Furthermore, from here on, in other words, from the system wherein God will establish your heart by His working and His doing in you, wherein God will bring forth love in your heart, wherein God will do all these things by you simply relying upon Him when He has come and brought forth His word of persuasion to you, where He's persuaded your heart. He says, from here on, in other words, on this persuasion, on this on the mechanics of this truth, I want to tell you and I want to beseech you by what Christ has done and by His word towards you that you uh, and how you ought to walk to please God. Now, how do we please God? I, th I thought God was pleased with us. Now, let me put it this way. I'm pleased with my son and I'm also pleased when I see him Believing that I'm pleased with him, for when he can believe that I'm pleased with him as a person, it will bring forth peace in his life, it will bring forth a good relationship between us, it will cause him not to try and um, please me by good works. And when I see that fruit coming to his life, it pleases me. So we are pleasing to God and it pleases God to see a life that is born from a revelation that we are pleasing to Him, that we were so pleasing to Him that He gave His Son to us. And it pleases Him to see His life manifest in us by His doing and not our own works. So what He says here, He says, I want to, I, I've come and I've seen you guys start to live in love to one another and all those kind of things. But I want to tell you, there is a from here on, Something we can expect by the Lord Jesus Christ, wherein we can actually abstain from fornication, sexual immorality, and all kinds of things that are still irritating us. You know, last night I was speaking to Heliana and, and we were talking, I was saying to her, I also said to my mother-in-law, that there are certain things that frustrate me. And this is what I said. And I said, and I am expecting God to help me there. Because I know. On my own, I can never do it. But I know that I take His Word 
wherein my heart is maybe not established in, in um, having the confirmation by seeing the fruit of that word in my life, in a certain area of my life, yet my heart is fully persuaded by, the, by the, the word God spoke in the Bible and by the Holy Spirit that convinced my heart, yet I've got an expectation that God will establish my heart unblameable in holiness. In other words, my belief, what I believe, will be established in this life or manifested in this life in the fruit that it brings forth and others will see the word of God established found its 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 um, its proof by manifestation in my life in the return of Christ so when Christ returns we will see all of these things and in this time up to then we will see all of the fruit coming to our lives and the last fruit we'll see is the conquering of death itself which will be immortality in our lives now I said that there's some things and some situations that are very frustrating to me and I said the reason why it frustrates me is because of the law that is in my mind and the logic that's in my mind about certain things it is just the way the way it is and you might have certain things like that somebody that's that's for instance let's say tidy not tidy might frustrate the life out of you somebody that's lazy might frustrate the life out of you somebody that doesn't keep to time might frustrate the life out of you. And you might say, I feel I'm dying in the presence of these people. God, you need to help me. And this is the kind of place where we come and we can say, I've got a word that is sure and that is true, wherein God could raise a man that carried the sin of all people upon him, that carried the curse of all people upon him, that simply just trusted the Father, trusted the Father. The Father could raise him into immortality and put him to the right hand of the Father. Not by his doing. He wasn't raised by any of those things. He was raised by the glory of the Father, not the glory of his works when he was upon earth. He was raised. And now, that is the sure word wherein my heart is established, wherein my life shall also be established. And wherein my heart can be established in the confirmation of this word, as well as what wherein my heart can be established in the earth. Wherein I, wherein I can be recorded as in history as a man flooded with the goodness of God. Now, that will be done by Jesus himself. And wherein I just say, Father, I'm saying that if you could raise Jesus from the dead that carried the sin of all people but in him he just trusted you and that is the word for me how much more can you not raise me out of this frustration how much more can you not raise me out of this and I am not trying to get that to manifest today I'm resting and relying upon God and he will bring it forth even in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ wherein he will prove this immortality in our lives glory to God now um, let me end this off. So God comes and He says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. The sanctification, it just not, doesn't just talk about the sanctification of our belief. Where He talks about the sanctification of our belief in 2 Thessalonians. Um, he talks about, let me just see if I can.
So he says in verse 13, he says, but you, um, but we are, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So it comes and he says here, listen, there's a sanctification of the spirit, or that comes from the spirit, of your belief. So yes, there's a sanctification of the belief. But in this, I want to tell you, church, there's a hope for us, man. There's not just, this is not just a sanctification of a belief. This includes a sanctification of life, of spirit wherein we live. You know, the Bible, when it talks about the sp a spirit wherein we live, it also talks about an attitude wherein we manifest, live our lives towards people. One day I must just preach about the different forms or different manifestations of spirit. But spirit also talks about the spirit I am in, or the spirit that the Lord walked in was loving the people, healing the sick and all of that. And he can sanctify my spirit. Where I might have been walking in a spirit of anger and frustration, all of that, it can be sanctified. How? By him. So this is the will of God, our sanctification. So I want to say to you, and this is the whole reason why I preach this, is not to say, well, I better be sanctified in my life now because that's what Christ has given us. No, it's to have, it's, it's, to, it's to prompt your heart to a place where it can feel safe enough to say, I also allow God to enter that area of my life to as he has sanctified my belief by the truth, he can sanctify this as well. And as effortlessly as what he's done this and I've only enjoyed this, he can also do it in the other areas of my life. Glory to God. That's why I ministered this. So I would like to encourage you to listen to this message a few times this week. As you listen to this uh, over and over and say to God, God, speak to me, and you bring forth your truth in me, you will find that um, it, it just brings peace and will start to bring forth that sanctification of life as well, uh, or sanctification manifested. Glory to God. Isn't it wonderful that God's God, we can clearly see He made it His responsibility and He took it upon Him to sanctify us and He took it upon Him to bring forth that, that holiness and that righteousness in us and to establish us in His return. Isn't that beautiful? Glory to God. Let us just pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your love for all people. Thank you for this internet church and that we can love one another, care for one another and just experience the love of your truth manifesting in us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want you to enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. If you've got any questions, please direct it to Dynamic Ministries, info at dynamicministries.com and uh, we will have, I will either answer you, we'll have one of our web pastors get back to you on this matter. Thank you so much. God bless.